welcome to the original Business Central Fireside Chat, a shot of Business Central and a beer. Uh, this is episode 39, and on today's show, we have the latest BC news for you. We're going to go over a month-end closing process and take a look at a B2B e-commerce app. But before all that, as always, I'm joined by Mr. Ken Sebahar. Ken, how's it going, and can you believe that uh, it's almost the 4th of July? Yep, this is my time of year. I love it. <laughs> I got my birthday coming up, July first. Oh, that's right! Fourth of July coming, so uh, looking forward to a week of vacation. Nice R and R coming up here, uh, and just the warm weather, uh, fun events going around, going on. Yeah, hopefully everything stays warm and and yeah. get you know get time to do anything. Yeah, gonna so, go anywhere? Or are you staying sticking around the? Uh... Heading over to Michigan. Nice. Uh, for a week. So uh, hopefully the water, Lake Michigan water, is <laughs> is warm enough uh, to go for a dip. You never know Yeah. Uh, what yeah. you're going to get sometimes. I've had some pretty uh, warm weather, so maybe blue. maybe it is. So, yeah, we'll but see. I'm look, excited to be here today. And uh, we have a great summer beer, I think. One of them. Right? Yeah, let's hope it's summery. So Great Lakes Brewing Company, Crush Worthy. Yeah, what's what's interesting is it's a locale citrus wheat, um, or citrus wheat ale with orange and lemon. Yeah, so I looked uh, four point zero alcohol ABV. That's perfect for you. And hundred and five calories. Oh, one hundred and five. So what's the yeah. average beer like? One thirty, one fifty? Uh, depends. Like uh, like a, a Miller Light. Or Bud Light would be like ninety-five to hundred. Oh, really? So this is going to be pretty light. Um, a regular beer might be one sixty to two hundred calories. Well, it's not so low, Cal. Uh, oh, I like the it's, color. It's pretty much yeah, like an orangey, orangey yeah, yellow. Yeah, summery orangey yellow. Citrusy. You can smell the citrus in there. Oh yeah. So I like the name of Crushworthy, right? So the idea is you could just crush a bunch of these if you're thirsty. Wow, such hot, low alcohol content. It's yeah. a hot summer day. It's going down the you don't want around. you don't want something that's sitting real heavy, like an IPA in your belly. Right. While you're so, out there trying to sport your six pack abs out, <laughs> out on the beach. I gotta draw them on every year. <laughs> uh, so this beer is made by a company called Great Lakes Brewing uh, Company. I think. I think we've had one or two of their other beers in, in the past, if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they're out of Cleveland, Ohio. And w- so what I did is I walked into Benny's, and I, I was looking around. I'm like, i got to pick something that's summery, right? You know, we had 100-degree weather the past couple weeks. It, it was really hot. I need something cool and refreshing. And as I'm walking by, this box just stood out, and it said, give me five. And I was like, what's that mean, give me five? So I looked at it, had a bunch of different beers. And just like you, this is the one that stood out to me. I was like, all right, we're going to take it. We're going to try it. We're going to see what happens. And here it is. So the variety pack included Dortmunder Gold Lager, Burning River Pale Ale IPA, uh, Hayescraft IPA. And this is a new uh, crush-worthy um, locale. And to that, I say yes, 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 and yes. Yeah, IPAs and everything. Yeah, that's right. Pale Perfect ales, for you. Yeah, IPAs, yeah. hazy. <laughs> A lager. Nothing crazy, right? No. There was no, like, uh, raspberry porter. <clears throat> yeah. So that, or, uh, you know. Every now and then, though, we got to do something crazy and different like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah, not too bad. This one's pretty good. It's Like you said, it's light, and it goes down really easy. 
Yeah, it, I mean, to me, uh, you know, the uh, the people over uh, providing their feedback on this over on beeradvocate.com. Oh, boy. You know, I think most of the people get it, right? They're... They, the idea is it's crush worthy, right? Meaning yes, yes. this is a light, easy drinking beer. You can crush these, right? It's cool. not a craft beer. So most people get that. They're like pours very light, a little bit of foam, lemon, slight lemony aroma, refreshing, good for what it's supposed to be, crushable. Mm-hmm. Um, Seinfeld fan, however, <laughs> didn't quite get it. Right? Kramer is probably their favorite. Seinfeld, fan, which is a little disappointing. I love Seinfeld, so and, and like, to, to for Seinfeld fan to to say what he said or she said, yeah, uh, is like, what? So this is this is Seinfeld fan. Uh, had on tap at a local bar. This is the worst wheat beer I've ever tasted. Almost no taste to speak of. Maybe a little faint citrus. I thought I was drinking an Oberon mixed with water. Little in the way of smell either. Little head, lacing, heck, little anything. Uh, I realize this is an attempt at a light, low-calorie wheat beer, but this misses the mark. Well, to that I say... Maybe you didn't get it. You, my friend, yeah, need to take a COVID test and make sure that your loss of taste and smell is not completely gone. <laughs> because it has a smell to it, which is citrusy, right? Like it says, the taste is exactly what, it, what it's supposed to be, so... My favorite comment that I saw uh, was, I'll skip through all the other stuff, but at the end, uh, they said, I'd say this is a good lawnmower beer. <laughs> I get that, though. I totally get it, right? Whether you're pushing a lawnmower, either whether you're sitting on the rider. Or sitting yep, on it with you're a yeah, It's perfect. Right? It's this out. Yep. perfect, right? <laughs> I love that analogy. <laughs> I actually think, you know, because you can actually taste the, the lemon and the orange and whatnot. Yeah, this would be pretty good with an orange slice in it, like a like a like the blue moons, you know. Oh yeah, for sure. I like it. <clears throat> All right. Well, as we drink this and try out maybe some different ones, what are we gonna do next? We're gonna do the shot of Business Central. We got a shot of Business Central, and then what are we doing? We're talking about uh, month and closing procedures after that, uh, and which is always a always an interesting topic and something I think that relates to most people. Um, oh, yeah, so right, everyone yeah. want, needs needs to close out a month and make sure their their data is is kind of locked and limited. hopefully, um, and then yeah, great great new B two B web portal app. Hey everybody, it's time for a shot of Business Central. Um, so the uh, first thing I want to lead off with is update. 20.2 is now the current release of Business Central Online. Uh, most environments, I think, should be updated by now. Um, and one of the key things, there's a lot of updates and, and hot fixes and improvements yeah. like usual right. uh, within here. The one thing I wanted to, to touch on was what you, what you may have noticed, depending on what role center you're using, is that up on the very top um, menu ribbon, for example, on the, on the business manager role center, there's a new Shopify menu. So the Shopify app was deployed within Business Central as part of uh, as part of this update. And you have a little menu within the Shopify. You can see shops, 
customers, products, orders, gift cards, transactions, payouts. Mm -hmm. um, and there's also, if you go to your, your uh, Tell Me uh, button, you can search on uh, Shopify and go to like a setup and configuration page. Um, so, And this is because Microsoft partnered with Shopify yep. recently? So Microsoft now has a, this, this relationship with Shopify to provide this connector. Um, and so it's now <clears throat> just included uh, with every Business Central environment. But uh, what if you don't want it? Great question. So the easiest and best thing to do, if you have no plans on, on using the Shopify connector at all, the easiest thing to do is open up the extension management page. You will see that this is now, this is an app, one of the apps that's provided by Microsoft. Just click on it and uninstall it. See, I would do that, but then my luck, I'll uninstall it. Two days later, I'll need it. And then, then what do I do, right? Then you go and reinstall it. From oh, the, so you can reinstall it from App Source. All right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you could also, if, if you're not quite sure about it, what you also could do, I guess, is go into the profiles page, customize the role center page to hide it. So you're just hiding the, the, the menu option off yeah. there. Um, you know, but having why? it in the tell me isn't going right. to hurt anything. But, but why, right? Yeah. I mean, it's the hard way out, I guess. Yeah. Well, the more difficult way anyway. Yeah. So that's out there. Um, and, and just, it, you know, this, this Shopify connector, I don't want to get too into the weeds on this right here, but th it's really designed as a business-to-consumer web shop portal. Absolutely. Right, where, where you have, you're selling widgets and you want anyone in the world to be able to buy widgets, you're gonna set up a Shopify site possibly for that, or maybe one of the other Shopify's competitors. And, um, and that's so that anyone can go out there, it's, it's the same price, maybe you've yeah. got some promos or whatever, but, but it's not a B2B, business to business, where your customers are seeing all their all their transactions and their pricing and discounts and right. the beauty of it though right is that it, it's it's simplicity it's it's simple correct which yeah. is kind of ironic because later on we're gonna be reviewing a b2b e-commerce app which is kind of taking the the shopify approach with simplicity i guess yeah and it's different and th those are different and uh you know and i know that a lot of companies will tell you well we want we do both b2b and b2c uh and you know, maybe there, there's a solution out there that is a great solution for B2B and B2C. I know there are. Um, however, uh, maybe uh, one for B2B and one for B2C right. actually makes more sense. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, it all depends on your business. Anyways, um, the other issue that I, or uh, thing that I wanted to talk about here was that there, there has been an issue over the past week or two where, um, users what you may see as a user in business central is when you open up a page and there's like um, toggle fields yes no fields or what we call boolean fields yeah. um, some of those little buttons look like they're misplaced on the page like the cat they're offset from the captions mm -hmm. and this actually is not a business central issue it actually is caused by an update that was done to the Chrome browser. Gotcha. So if you're using Chrome, and I know a lot of people do use Chrome to, to run Business Central, you may have noticed in the last week or so that, that, there, that you've got these issues. 
the issue is not actually there's no right now fix or update for Business Central. The suggested fix, I think there is something you can do within Chrome mm -hmm. to eliminate it, or you can just use Microsoft Edge. Yeah, or Firefox, I heard. Or Firefox as right. your browsers. Yep. Yeah, not bad. So with that, though, the 2022 update, just want to let everybody know that there were 15 platform hotfixes, 37 application. Uh, as usual, a lot of different country application fixes. But what I thought was unusual, maybe I'm wrong, is for the U.S., I saw that there were seven total hotfixes. It seemed like a lot. Is, is that uh, more than a lot? Localization? Yeah. Like local specific? Yeah. Uh, yeah, like that's, lot, right? that's more than average for sure. Usually there's one to two. Yeah, tops. That's uh, what I thought. Yeah. So. And then the feature change was release and reopen multiple documents. Um, so when you finish working on a batch of documents, you can release all of them or some of them to the next stage. And then, uh, or you can reopen them for further, you know, further processing, processing in the future. You know, there's different font colors now on, on Business Central. If it says released or open, and one's in green, one's like grayed out. Hmm. So nothing, nothing too crazy. What else you got, Sir Ken? Um, just the uh, we were talking about the uh, there's a promotion that Microsoft has if you're a, a Dynamics NAV client and you are considering moving to Business Central mm -hmm. online, there's a promotion called Bridge to the Cloud right. uh, that has been extended to... Through December 2022. Uh, first cutoff date, I think, was June 30th, okay. which would have been in two days. So they've extended for six months that promo, which yeah. gives you uh, a, an additional discount on your Business Central users, mm -hmm. provided that you license enough Business Central Online users to maintain the same annual payment as your rep Correct. annual enhancement plan. Correct, payment, yeah. Right? Now after July, what is it, July 11th, it might be a little bit interesting because right now when you set them up, they're not in the new commerce experience for the promotion, mm -hmm. but I wonder what it'll be after July 11th, if they'll pull that skew, and then you're going to have to choose monthly or annually or whatever. I guess time will tell. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, and then let's see what else I got here. Um, there is a new Business Central overview page for partners. Uh, it's a good resource for partners basically to see all things Business Central. It's really a good starting point. Uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes so that you can have it. And I conducted a poll on our LinkedIn page just for fun. I wanted to know what what Business Central users and whatnot thought was the most important Business Central integration. The choices were uh, between Microsoft Outlook, Microsoft Teams, Microsoft Excel, and Microsoft Word. And out of 242 votes, Microsoft Excel is the winner with 48%. Wow. Yeah. What do you think came in number two? Outlook. No. Teams. Really? Yeah. Wow. That shocked me too. That does surprise me. Word, yeah. Word. Yeah, Teams had 26%. I look at 24 Microsoft Word had 2%. <laughs> you know, I guess, I guess if, I, if you consider, um, you know, if you're sitting on a page and you can open in Excel or edit in Excel any page of data and the, the ability to take any report and push the data directly into Excel, Right. I guess if I add all those together, I would say that as a as a general end user, that is more valuable for me than the Outlook. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Because I like. I mean, Adam. it's a great. It's a great uh, feature, but it's still limited. Somewhat, you most know what I mean? power users right. want to. They want to be able to take data, set some filters, push yeah. that data into Excel, and do some additional manipulation to it. Right? Yeah, quicker um, changes and everything. Push lighter it users, or you know, right? They're not using Excel users. that much. They're so, more the Outlook, probably. So, yeah. Yeah. but Teams is interesting. I mean, I guess you know Teams is popular, but yeah, the integration. There are always that many people use it. Huh. Nice poll. Yes, yeah, that's what she said. What's it? <laughs> so power. Last one I got is uh, Power Platform and Azure Logic Apps Connector uh, has now been moved out of preview and is now in general availability for uh, Business Central. So that's what I got for the shot. I think you're all done too. Yeah. Next awesome. up, we're gonna get crazy, right? Oh yeah. Month end closing. Month end closing for the hardcore Business Central user. Hey everybody, welcome back to our, our feature segment here. Uh, today we're going to be talking about month-end closing procedures. So this is a, a topic that uh, you know it may not be near and dear to every end user's heart. Right? <laughs> this is for the accounting folk, the finance team who's responsible for for doing the month-end reporting and everything. Your people. Yeah, right, right up my alley. <laughs> but one of the things that uh, that this one of the reasons this is an important topic and something that does come up a lot is because it impacts almost every organization that's that's using Business Central, right? If you're running whatever modules you're running, you you ultimately are probably closing out a month and doing some sort of reconciliation and reporting out of the system. Is there ever a need for a business not to do month end? You know, the only, you know, if you're using it kind of just not as a, as your full ERP system, maybe you're just using it for, to capture sales orders and then ultimately you have some other financial reporting solution out there, Um, you know, or you're just tracking inventory or something and, and not doing financial reporting. But, but, you know, by and large, most companies are, are running it as a full ERP system. General ledger, accounts receivable, accounts payable, purchasing, sales order management, inventory, maybe manufacturing, maybe jobs, right? So you have all these different modules that are being used and all of the GL entries are rolling up into your financial statements, right? So um, a lot of questions come up. Like, what are we supposed to do at the end of the month? How do, we, how do we close a month, right? And part of the difficulty with month end is that you get to the end of the month and that day of the month that it's on is always a different day of the month. Sometimes it's, Wait, a, it's a Monday, oh, okay. sometimes it's a Saturday. You had a different date too, right? Yeah. 30th or 31st, yep, 30th, 28th. 31st, right. So people you know, wanna know how, can I, can I, can I cross over entries over multiple periods at the same time? And can I go back and still run clean set of financials? Yeah. So it's a great I, question. I thought what we would do is go through, um, and we have some documented notes that we can make available on the, on the show notes page uh, for people to, to reference uh, this whole scenario that we're going to talk through. I realize it's, it's a lot to go through verbally mm-hmm. in this format. 
um, just because it's easier to see like the process see it like in writing or slides and with dates and things Um, so what but what I thought we would do is because it is July right now um, let's pretend like we're gonna be preparing for our upcoming month-end close okay at the end of July so we're gonna talk about like what what are we gonna want to do as the end of July approaches and as we get into early August Right. So, a, f- a few assumptions. So, wh- so what are the the steps that were, or what are the setups, I should say, that are involved with closing your month end in Business Central? Uh, the first is there are two fields on the general ledger setup page. It's called they're called allow posting from and allow posting to. This allows you to establish a date range. Um, in which people can post transactions. Uh, now, this is really used for, for two dual purposes, which is a little kind of hidden secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first is that if you don't have a user setup record for a user, or you don't have any dates defined for a user, then these are used as the default allowable posting date ranges. Okay. So it's globally for the general. Global, right? For, yeah, across all users. Okay. But there's also the second setup table is user setup. In the user setup record, you can you create one record for each user of Business Central. And on that user record, there also is an allow posting from and allow posting to date. And that's a date range uh, that you're going to set. Our best practices say always create a user setup record for every user. Um, And the reason is because there are other fields on the user setup record that you may be using. There's responsibility center filters, there's a time register, there's an email address field, there's a salesperson purchaser code that you can use to link each user to a specific salesperson, Mm -hmm. which can be used for filtering. So the you may not be using any of those, but you may start using some of those fields. So we just always say, anytime a new user gets set up, create a user record and a user setup record. So what happens when the, if, if the, the employee leaves the company one way or the other, can you? You can delete it. Delete. I apologize, am I jumping forward? Yeah, no, perfect, yeah. So yeah, so you only, it really only has to be active users that are in there. So uh, someone leaves the company, you can just delete the user setup record. Okay, yeah. simple enough. Now, um, so what we propose, and then the third setup that's required to, to completely control your and lock your period is if you have items, inventory, then you must set up and close inventory periods. This is one of the things that I see most often where people have inventory, they wanna go through a secure month-end process and lock down that that closed period, but they don't even have inventory periods set up and they're not closing them on a regular basis. That's a major issue. So that's one of the key things that's gonna be part of this process. um, Now, month-end is also key for year-end, right? Uh, year end, we've got a, a there. There's your you at the year end. You're going to do a normal month end, plus a few year end steps. Okay. Okay. 
So yeah, there's gotcha. there's a I would say there's a there is a year end process, but the, the but the assumption is you've done your normal month end first. Okay. Then you just which makes sense. Then you just do a few year end steps. Yeah. All right. So, um, in this scenario, now let's assume that we believe all of our July activity is going to be is going to be finally entered and completed on August 5th. Okay. Right? Because that's pretty common where... Seven days after that. You, need, month or whatever. you need several days after the actual last day of the month to process maybe some payables invoices, to get your payroll journal entry entered or uploaded. Uh, you may need to do some other entries, maybe invoice some customers based on projects that are going on. So, so generally a week after you know what five it's, days. It, it's changes organization to organization. It could be okay. three days. It could be twenty days. Oh really? Wow. It just depends um, how how often. Uh, we have many customers that get this whole thing done within five days. Wow. Every month. Yeah. So so let's say let's use August fifth as that date that we expect everything is going to be done. We're going to be finished with July. So what, are, what do we do? How do we go about going through our month end? The first, first thing that we're gonna do, and this is during July when we're closing June. So back when we're closing June, what we wanna do is set up all the user setup records to allow posting to August 5th. Even, even in the middle of, in the middle, of, middle or late June. Okay. Set that allow posting to date to August 5th. The reason to do that is so that when you get to July 31st and you roll into the next day, August 1st, users won't get posting errors. Because you may have users who come in at 6 a.m., 7 a.m., or even a third shift mm -hmm. on August 1st. You don't want to have to have someone there updating that field gotcha. on that day. So why not just allow them the first few days of August? Right. Okay. That's so that's something you have to do every month. Every month we're going to do that. Okay. All right. So that's the first thing we're going to do. Now on, on August 1st, most users are just going to go about their normal business. Right, I'm, I'm entering some inventory transactions. I'm receiving against a purchase order. I just set my posting date to August 1st, and I continue posting. Um, right, we have that posting date field. So the posting date field is what's going to allow us to effectively backtrack, re retroactively run our reports as of July 31st. Okay. So that. We can, we can be posting, and we can also be posting entries back into July. So some users, right, on August 1st, I, I may be posting some transactions to July 31st, some I'm posting to August 1st. I can cross, the point is, I can cross over periods fine. It doesn't matter. Just because you change the dates, no big deal. Yeah. There's no point in time where I have to like freeze all my July activity and that runs, runs some reports, and then move on with August. You can cross over periods, different users, all you want. No problem. Okay. All right, 
Now, it's August 5th. And we're done. We, we've kind of gotten from everyone word that they're done with July. What are we going to do? The first thing we're going to do is we're going to change the allow posting to date on all user setup records to not to September 6th, 2022. Okay. Right? So that's going back to the first step where I said right. we're going to update Do it this. every month. Right? Yep. So every month you're going to roll that forward to the next month. That's going to make sure when we get to, not August, to September 1st that they can post next month. Second thing we're going to do. We're gonna change the allow posting from date on their users, all user setup records, to August 1st. Okay. What that will do is that will ensure that no users can post After. any entries back into July. Okay. Now you may be saying, well wait, maybe I have a few people in my accounting department who are still gonna to need to go post some adjusting entries for July. That's fine you can update that back to July later. But for right now, we want to set that to August 1st. And you can do this by individual? Per person, yep. okay. per user. Next step, we're gonna close the inventory period that ends on July 31st. In order to close a period, the system's gonna verify that you don't have any negative inventory and that all costs for all items have been fully adjusted. Um, there's a test report you can run that's going to tell you why can't it close it if it can't close the period. Oh. Then you go correct those entries or you run the adjust cost item entries process and then you can close the period. Nice. Okay. I did not know there was a test report. Yep. It's very nice. Uh, very easy. It shows you exactly where the issue is. It's if, an, if it's a negative uh, on-hand inventory, it actually tells you the item ledger entry that is negative really? and unapplied. So you can wow. go find that item, see what happened, why do I, why, why I should never have negative, I can't physically neg have negative right. inventory, right? So something went wrong. Don't just um, change it, figure it out. Correct, yep. <laughs> if I, now, if I have to adjust it, that's where I would go, I would go open access to July, make a correction and, and adjust it back, right? Okay, so now I've closed my inventory period. Um, now what I'm going to do is change the allow posting from date on my general ledger setup to August 1st. So two things this does. First, it ensures that, again, if I'm missing a user setup record, that they can't post activity into July anymore. But also, that field is used by the adjust cost item entries process to determine the date on which any adjusting entries related to items should be posted. Here's an example. Let's say that you have an, an on-hand inventory cost layer that came in on a PO receipt in May. Okay. And someone says, hey, that, the value of that item is wrong. We need to revalue that cost layer. You can do so and what will happen because you've closed your inventory periods for May, June, and July, it'll look to the general ledger setup allow posting from date, and it will use that date as your entry on those adjust on those revaluations. So it uses okay. Why is that? Just so it there's doesn't create like a, a because I can't comp? post I can't post into May 
and I can't even post into June or July because I've closed those inventory periods. So it just has to use the it has to it has to use a current period date. Okay. And so it looks at whatever the earliest date is, which is that allow posting from date on general ledger setup. I thought I read something though that you were allowed to go back and and change something if it's been closed. Yeah. So let's say let's say uh, I had a cost layer in in July. And now I'm running all these reports and tying everything out and I see an issue. I can reopen my inventory period. Mm. Re reset my my own user setup record to July 1st. And now I can go post that revaluation and it will gotcha. post it into July. Okay. And then I just reclose the inventory period. So to your point, closing that inventory period, you can always reopen it. So there's never a point in time where you do something and then you are locked or prohibited from going back and reopening it to make an adjustment. Which is great. Right? <laughs> so there's no stress. There should be no pressure on doing any of these steps because you can always undo it or reopen the periods. Yeah, definitely a great feature. Right? So now, I've, now I've, I've, I've updated all my posting dates. I've closed my inventory periods. I'm all set. I'm, I'm, it's, uh, it's August 5th. Everyone is set from August 1st through September 6th. Now I go run all my reports as of July 31st. I run my inventory valuation. I run my, maybe my reconcile inventory to GL report. I run my production whip report. If, I, if I'm using jobs, I run my uh, job whip to GL report. I run my aged AR accounts receivable, my aged accounts payable reports, and I use the as of date on those to say July 31st. Okay. Right? Now, hopefully, I've got no direct posting turned on to any of my system accounts. Everything reconciles, ties out to the penny. If that's the case, I'm done. I run my financial statements my account schedules, my balance sheet, my income statement. If I'm using an, a, another reporting solution, I, I, I export my data or, or I, I run my financials and I'm finished. You mentioned direct posting being turned off or whatnot. Would you say that's like a good tip to like take off direct posting on accounts like ARAP? Inventory? Absolutely. Yeah. Any, any inventory account, accounts receivable, accounts payable, bank account, any account actually I would say used in, within a posting group, there's a direct posting field on the GL account record. You mm -hmm. should turn that off. Okay. And what that will do is that will ensure, assure you that the only time that account is gonna get hit is through the use of that posting group. Gotcha. So you, you cannot get out of balance. All right, good right? tip, good tip. Okay. Um, and as we kind of just discussed, worst case scenario happens, nothing's reconciling. Fine, reopen your July inventory period, reset your user setup, allow posting from dates to July 1st, Go post whatever adjustments you need. Right. And then reclose the process once you have everything uh, worked out. But the key is you can pick and choose which users you want to give, you want to still provide access to July. The most common scenario is that you go through this whole process that we just described on August 5th. Everything ties out and reconciles and we're looking good. 
but I, but if I'm the controller or assistant controller or staff accountant, I still may have entries that I need to post. So I would go into the user setup table and allow access to July to just those users. And now I know, because they, they have to post just journal entries mm -hmm. or maybe write off some accounts receivable or something. Now what do you say to the user who says, just, there's just too many people, too many employees for me to have to change dates for the, is there something I can do to, to set up or? Well, I would say if you're, if, I would say that if you're not going to go through this process or a very similar process, right? I'm not, I'm not saying this is the, this is how you have to do it, but this is a method that works for us, gotcha. for our, our clients. It's something that it's, it's straightforward. It's repeatable. It's a repeatable process, right? Um, if, if you, if you aren't willing to do this, so if you're a small company, let's say, and you have 30 users on your user setup list, how long does it take you to type in a date, hit down arrow F8 30 times? I can do it in about 30 seconds. <laughs> so, so not the, the non-experienced 35 seconds. Yeah, maybe a minute, you know, so you're talking about I'm talking about approximately minutes, 20 minutes. five minutes to update these dates and, do, and go through this yeah. once a month. So five minutes times 12, is that 60? Mm -hmm. It is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Counting back, so, come on now. <laughs> so you're talking about one hour per year to do this. Now, if you're a huge company and you have 400 or 500 user setup records, then my suggestion would be, that you are large enough to develop an extension to maybe automate the update of those fields, right? Gotcha. Have a little utility that you can enter the date once, click OK, and it goes through all the records and updates them. Gotcha. Right? And if it takes you a few hours to, for a developer to create that extension, but it so saves it. you all of that, all those keystrokes, that's, you know, then, then that's fine. That should not be a problem for you. A lot of people got time crunches. <laughs> right. I know they think of it as busy work, like, oh, I got to hit F8 down arrow, F8 down arrow 40 times or 50 times. Yeah, you think it takes longer than it actually will. But, but, but it's what, you have to look at it as return on investment. As, as yeah. a controller, one of my primary job functions is to maintain the integrity of the financial data. Right. And if that means that I have to spend an hour or two hours per year controlling my user setup uh, date fields so to me it. yeah it's worth that, it that's it's no worth point, it yeah right? it, it's not even uh, don't even it's not even worth wasting your time <laughs> so so that is Pretty it cool. that is it right? cool. like i said there, there's it's very forgiving in terms of that there's never a point where you can't reallow access to yeah. a, to a prior period you can't reopen the inventory period um, and the last little note I would say is, you know, if, you know, if you say a lot of, we get a lot of questions like, Hey, well, this is great and all, but what would happen if I, uh, set this date to this value instead, or I did this and, and my answer is typically, I don't know. Why would you do that? <laughs> right. 
Um, Can't have an answer for a crazy question. Yeah. So like <laughs> what would ha- in this scenario, if I did this type of adjustment and I had this date set to this instead of that, you know, what would happen? Usually it's a, I don't know, let's go, let's go into a sandbox and let's try it nice. and see what happens, right? Yeah. And, and actually, just to prepare for today, I, I did that on a few things to go in just to double check to make sure how certain things work. Um, so create a sandbox. Give it a shot. Go in, test it out, and see how it, different combinations react based nice. on how you have different fields set. Nice. So I saw a couple things on the internet, and I can't remember if you touched about one of them, but these are like tips to make month end a little bit easier. And one of them was that I that I saw was to create reoccurring user tasks for people or groups and assign those tasks to them. I can't remember if you mentioned that. And sure, I, I didn't mention it, but yeah, that that's a good use of the user tasks feature. Yeah, on the homepage uh, that sits center, on your role center, mm-hmm. where you can create a recurring task for a user once yeah. per month, for example. And then uh, the other one was basically don't be afraid to use the bookmarking feature if if you have to. Whatever your task is, you know, you're on a page frequently or whatever, bookmark it. Right. So make your life a little bit easier. All right. So, Ken, way to go. Detailed month-end process, closing process. Yeah, I hope that that helps. Uh, Again, I know we get get a lot of questions about it. What should I be doing at the end of the month? There's a lot of turnover, different companies, new or or promotions, and someone new takes over uh, the month-end. So we do have a document. Um, that we can share and make available. Yep. Um, and the show what we would recommend as, as these steps. All right. All so right. we're going to move right into what? B to into a B and B e-commerce app. We're going to take a look at it. Back for the featured app segment, and today we're talking about a back-end B to B e-commerce app. Uh, I hope I didn't pronounce a back-end wrong. It could be a back-end or. A back in Chicago, you say a back in. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so I'll just start off with a, a quick overview of some of the things I noticed. Um, so what is it, right? It's a hosted Azure-based B two B web shop yeah. solution. That is the key thing is directly and 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 live integrated within Business Central. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so another question is, what does it do? Basically, it allows you to give your customers access to live inventory numbers as well as to calculate sales uh, based on the current Business Central pricing and, and, and discount functionality that you have set up within Business Central. How is it different? Well, it's directly integrated live. I'd say that that's, that's one of the things. Yeah, um, yeah it's a huge it's, differentiator, right? Because right. You, it's not, there's no data synchronization required or middleware uh, that, that's yeah. used uh, to synchronize or pass data back and forth. It, it is real-time pulling data from Business Central, writing data to Business Central, running Business Central's code units and calculations. Yeah, yeah pretty cool. Let's see what else we got here. Um, so it's got it's got a bunch of features right that are, that are really pertaining to the to the software. Uh, my top five are and these are in no particular order, and I'm sure mine are different than yours. Uh, so when logged on, you can select if you want to show suggested retail prices on a product. Uh, this way, you can show the page to the end user without seeing your customer markup and and whatnot. So I like that. 
Um, there's customer specific catalogs that can be uh, based on master data information. So if, if the customer's logged in, they can see customer specific, I like that. Freight item is automatically added to an order based on the total order price. You can see all the historical invoices and credit memos on the shop. And last but not least, you can show discount percent and the discount amount in the actual cart before ordering. Okay. So. Yeah, so you mentioned, uh, one of the things you mentioned is showing all the, sa the sales invoice and credit memo history, right? And not just for that customer, because this is B2B, right? So these are your existing customers who you want to give access to, to, to their order, their order history, and create new orders. Um, so because it's connecting to Business Central and it's using their customer number, you can therefore show all of their history for all their invoices and credit memos, even if they weren't placed through the through the shop, oh, through really? the web shop, right? So even oh. if some orders were emailed in or, or placed over the phone, all orders are visible in the web shop. So it's kind of like the customer's view into Business Central yeah. through a web web platform. Um, I really, I, what I, things I like about it is my number one is the fact that it's real-time integration with Business Central. That just does so, there's so many benefits to that. Um, we won't get into that. Um, but second thing is that Abakian also provides the, the web server, the website. So when you sign up, you know, you create an account, sign up for the app. Like, they handle cr the creation of that web portal for you. So you're not having to have to manage the, the hardware and, and everything. It saves you a lot of money because so it's going to be costly. It's, very, uh, it's a fast, quick implementation, right, to, to get it up and running. And again, you don't have to worry about customizations of like pricing or anything because mm -hmm. it's using Business Central pricing. Now, once you, get it, <clears throat> excuse me, once you get it up and running, I know that you've actually had some experience using it. Mm -hmm. how, uh, how is it? Yeah, so we did uh, Anders Peterson. Uh, we worked with uh, with him on on doing a really detailed, in depth test uh, of this. Um, and so what we did was we have a a, re a, a business central online demo environment. Uh, we worked on uh, deploying it in in a sandbox and and hooking it up to the web shop. Um, I mean, it was literally just a couple days really? from when we had our first conversation to when we were able to log in to the web shop and place orders and, and look at the data in there. And everything worked good? Sales tax, everything? Yep. We specifically right, had to look at U.S. sales tax because U.S. sales tax is a localization. Mm -hmm. That's part of the, you know, the U.S. business central environment. So we wanted to make sure that that if we did, you know, have sales tax, that those tax amounts not only calculated correctly but also displayed correctly in the web portal, which which they did. So are you confident recommending this then to to business central customers? Since yeah, you know what I mean, especially you know if you're a distribution or manufacturing company, and you have existing customers who you want to give access to. Um, absolutely, they have uh, from a pricing standpoint right it's it's very affordable mm -hmm. uh, there's they kind of design it into like it looks like three like pricing tiers depending yeah. on the, the the number of users you expect and the number of items that you have 
um, but there's like a startup, a business, and an enterprise. Right. All of them are under a thousand dollars U.S. Yeah. Uh, starting as low as about wow, under a thousand, one hundred and fifty a month right. for the startup, right? And if you think about it, if you're just getting started with a B two B portal, and you're going to slowly start rolling this out to your customers, uh, and you want to implement it, start with the startup, absolutely, right? and then. Grow as you grow, you grow sure, the, the monthly charges are going to increase, but you're getting more and more value out of it mm -hmm. as you're rolling it out to more and more customers and allowing the customers to place orders themselves, yeah. right? So how much is that worth, right, to, to, to be able to have your customers placing their own orders, looking up their own order status, um, or history or looking at invoices Absolutely. or whatever it is, right? And then, like you said, even if you get to the enterprise level, which is unlimited everything, it's still under $700 a month. That's, right. that's amazing. Yeah, US and they even have like a cut. There's a, they have a little util utility, a very nice website page for mm -hmm. this, a lot of information on there, including a little calculate your custom price right. based on a few different specific variables uh, that, that you may have. Um, so... I might be wrong, but I think this company too. Uh, are they the ones who created Use Dynamics, that 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 um, portal where it's all free Business Central videos and, and whatnot? Because I know that they have twenty three or twenty eight videos on Use Dynamics. They said, and when I went to Use Dynamics, the branding is the same as. Yeah, that, Avocat, Avocat. I know that they have multiple other apps. They've had a lot of apps out there for a while. Yeah. Uh, so that they're they're definitely um, are are you know dedicated can tell to bus to business central. Yeah. Um, you know the one thing I, I I also want to do point out, and I don't mean this to be a negative, but I, I think that this is my own perception is you know this is a B two B portal. Mm -hmm. It's designed for business to business activity. There are certain things. Um, that re that relate to a business to consumer website. If you're selling to the masses and you want to allow um, your customers to create their own accounts and their own contacts, and you have just general pricing, uh -huh. like you're selling, um, you know, hats or cups or uh, things to to just anyone, and there's a, a standard list price. You know, that's where maybe we talked about Shopify a little bit earlier, that's maybe where a Shopify site has, has a place also, right? Where there, it's a more a widely used environment that comes with things like there are certain other tools, analytics, like website analytics tools, credit card integration, and some other really cool stuff that these other B2C platforms have. Um, is, it, is it common for an organization to have a, a different B2C platform as, as their B2B platform? Um, you know, I'm going to have both, I guess. There are, there are companies that, that really only do business to business. There are companies that really own, mainly do business to consumer. Mm -hmm. And then there are companies that do both. And I think usually they want one web platform that provides everything for all those customers. Gotcha. And that there are solutions that exist that can do that. Yeah. Personally, I don't know that that is the best way to go about it. Like if I'm selling to a large business, do I need them to be ordering through my business to consumer site? 
or do I want to provide a different experience for them as an existing customer? Yeah, I mean, customer? I can actually see some positives to both. Right? So, yeah. yeah. So um, there, is no, there is no single answer, right? It, it is a case-by-case basis. But, but if you are, you do need a B2B portal, um, I, th- I think it's worth taking a solid look at this. Yeah, looks good. Looks really, really good. All right, so now that this might be the easiest B2B platform that I've ever seen, we should probably jump into beer reviews since we're winding down here. <coughs> Let's see. So I think we got two beers to review today because we've... Well, let's just stick with just our stick with the one. crushworthy here. All right. So let me see here. I've actually... Did some research and uh, got a uh, little thing that I I started looking at now. I started looking at the appearance of the cans, the aroma, the taste, the feel in the mouth. <laughs> Can art. It's pretty big. It's become pretty popular. Have you noticed that over the past couple of years? Oh, oh yeah. Big, big business. Yeah. These, are, these are actually, these cans for Great Lakes Brewing Company are actually like normal beer cans. They're not silver cans with a label. A lot of a lot of micro brews will do just a, they just have plain aluminum cans, but they then they put a label on the can with their art. These are actually you know, mass produced. Yeah. They must be selling a lot. I like it though. Yep. Alright. I'll go first, I suppose. Uh crushworthy the appearance. I liked it. Very light for summer. The aroma was pretty good. Taste was really good. Um, I'm going to go with 83. I'm getting stingier with my ratings. Yeah, I wish I could get stingier with my ratings. But, you know, <laughs> I, I look at, I'm, I'm cheating now. So I look yeah, at, yeah, you cheat. You look at the list. I look at what I've already rated. So I'm going to go 86. Oh, nice. Um, because... Uh, I'm putting it right below uh, the unfiltered wheat beer that we had. It was a hazy American classic. Yeah. Um, and above arrogant bastard ale and spotted cow. Yeah. So I, I, I do it. It was lighter, more refreshing. Yeah. Uh, than those. So I'm going to go 86. Yeah. I don't think I was too big of a fan of the arrogant bastard ale. But yeah. Nice. Good beer. All right, with that, about wraps up everything. So, as usual, tell your friends about the podcast, share it on social media, all that good stuff, and uh, we will see you next month in August. Bye-bye. As we end today's podcast, we want to give a big thank you to everyone who listens, shares this podcast, and leaves us reviews. You've taken a good amount of your time out of your day, and we truly appreciate it. Thanks again. And uh, don't be afraid to email us at marketing at solsyst.com with your tips for the podcast, or maybe you'd even like to be a guest during an episode.